Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Need a waste management, recycling and skip hire company? Look no further than Algea, Lincolnshire's national and regional award-winning team for all of your waste and recycling needs. We'll score you the best deals in your waste and recycling needs. The only blank you'll draw from us is our zero-to-landfill policy. So call us today on 01724 277 299 or visit lgia.co.uk and be part of the winning team. Welcome back to the Iron Brew Podcast in conversation with Brian Laws. At the end of the first part, Brian just finished discussing his initial time as a manager whilst at Grimsby Town. We pick up the conversation here in part two as the topic moves on to Scunthorpe United. Enjoy. Let's uh, let's come on to Scunthorpe then, because obviously leaving Grimsby, it's a brief spell at Darlington, uh, but you come into Scunthorpe, and then it, initially it's sort of as a player, isn't it? So you know what what's that like? So I guess sort of going from manager. I think you said in your book you weren't sort of expecting to sort of take the manager's job at the time. No, it was really weird because I could still play, so. It wasn't a case of, well, I'm not managing, so I still play. And I wanted to play, and um, and I, I went to Darlington through, because he was a friend of mine anyway, and he said, look, oh, just come play with us, we'll be fine. Yeah, enjoy your football again. And get out of that, get out of the, the house and stuff. I went, okay. And I did it, I was travelling and didn't really. And then Mick Buxton, who I'd previously played for before, I mean, we played Scunny. Um, I think it was in Granford Park, and we uh, we totally dominated the game. And I was playing, and you know, and he pulled me out. He says, he says, "Oh, we could do something like you." I said, "Well, I, Mick, I am um, I am actually looking to probably move because the the journey's doing my head in a wee bit. I have to say, I've only I've still had nothing." And he said, uh, "He says, ah." She said, would you come to us, Tom? Yeah, i yeah, I'll do that. So Mick Buxton, really, he, he instigated that to, to come. I wasn't looking for a, the manager's job at all. Then Mick was coming and getting under pressure. And uh, and I tried to distance myself. You know, you know what it's like. The, the more the fans start to call for his head, and I'm thinking, oh, this is getting uncomfortable and... So I was just, you know, play the game and I'd get off and get out of the way. And uh, and it was only then there was one occasion when we'd lost. And the chairman, I think, was Wagster. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, he asked us if, he, if I could, could talk to me after the game. I went, no, I don't want to talk to you. Because I think I know what you're going to say. I said, Mick is a friend, an ex-manager, and I'm not interested in he's in the job so and I walked away uh, and then the next day it gone and then I spoke to uh, to, to Keith and, and it, it it was really tough decision to make because I think um, you, you know when you work with somebody and, he, and I was in the club as well it's it, it's it, I think it would be hard for him as it would be for me if it, if it she was on the other foot so um, 
you know, and, you know, I've got, I don't have any regrets at all about taking it now. Obviously, I, it was, it was, a, it was a great move and uh, it suited us and, uh, and, you know, the, we had a good journey. So um, it was only by, by accident. And of course, Mick, who was my old manager in the first place when I, um, when he was manager at Huddersfield. Uh, so, um, I suppose it's all about circumstances and, and it's about opportunities that come along uh, where, where you think football goes. What was your relationship like with Mick after that? Did he wish you well? Or? Yeah, he did. It, um, you know, Mick's a, Mick was a good guy. Yeah. I mean, he didn't want to obviously lose his job. Of course not. Um, he, but he knows how things go, as, as you see many, many times. It's not easy. It's not nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he, he, he took it uh, with a pinch of salt. But he... You know, I'm sure you'd be thinking, well, was that set up or whatever? I don't know. Um, or I could assure him, was it wasn't. So, um, you know, and, and it's happened to me in the past. You know, I'll leave and somebody else will go in. It's, it does rankle with you for a short period, but that's football. And, of course, you had uh, another Huddersfield connection there with Mark Lillis and obviously sort of stayed on yeah. at the start with, with you as well. Yeah, Mark was a... Mark was a um, you know, we'll support it and make boxes as well. Uh, and I've been working with him. And I, I knew Mark as well as a player uh, from Huddersfield there. So we had a good connection. And I spoke a lot to Mark and, my, and he was comfortable, you know, being part of the setup. And when we got on really well, uh, you know, and that was, that was an important part of my development that the trust was already in the camp. I didn't have to bring anybody in. It was already there. So, um, and it worked quite well. We got on really well together. We had some, some good, uh, some good times. Uh, okay, so let, let's sort of start about you. You sort of first season with Scunthorpe then, because obviously we know that we go into that sort of promotion season quite soon after you appointed. But how, how did it sort of? What I guess what are the differences sort of from managing at Grimsby, sort of coming into Scunthorpe? Yeah, well, I, I guess it, with Grimsby. Uh, my first, because they didn't see me as a manager, they see me as a player. So I, I had an influence as a player. Uh, and then I went to Scunthorpe and I, I sort of started as a player, but because we had a lot of the change around with, with players and new, bringing new players in, the new ones come in was important because they just see me as a manager, uh, not as a player. And, and of course, I was slowly, you know, pulling myself away from the game. Um, and I, I think it was easier at Scunthorpe, I have to say, because uh, we had established ones at Grimsby, and at Scunthorpe, we were, there were players who just desperately wanted to play football, and it didn't really matter as long as you pick them, mm. you know. Um, so I think it was an easier transition there, and and, and to be honest, it was more. Uh, you know, speaking to the the the, uh, the board at the time was, they, you know, about what is Scunthorpe Burn? What is the, you know, what what is their strategy as a football club? What do they want a manager to be and do? And um, my first few interviews or t- chats with them were, um, they're a selling club, and they have to have uh, a proportion of players coming through to survive. Um, so, then it's not quite working as well as they have, but they always sell a player. Got to have a sell player. That you know that keeps the club, the club afloat. 
So you have to have that, you know, already in your thoughts about for anything else is, right, I've got to get that youth side. I've got to try and influence that to get into there, try and have that conveyor belt of kids coming through uh, and give them an opportunity. You know, don't dismiss them. Give them an opportunity and train with them, coach them. So, yeah, the early meetings in, in Scunthorpe were important because it gives me, they give me then an understanding of what Scunthorpe is about. And then we had, we, we followed that process. And in the end, eventually over a two, three year period, we ended up with, I think, seven from the, from the academy in the first team. And then we could sell little bits of players. And so each year we were doing something. And of course, uh, um, so you're always making progress and, uh, and always trying to get to the third round of the FA Cup was always another one as well, <laughs> which was a pain because it was like, Something that we, it was funny, they, they were always put in the, in the in the negotiations when we always negotiated it, um, the player budget. Of course, well, we'll put this bit of money in here, but that's going to come from getting to the third round. <laughs> right. Well, if we don't, then oh, we will. <laughs> you will. Yeah. You will. And to be fair, in, in 10 years, I think I only missed out once. So we always got the third round, which is a pocket of money, which we didn't know. It could be big, it could be small, it could be whatever, but it was in there. You spoke about the youth team there. How influential was Paul Wilson? Oh, uh, yeah, well, I was an uh, uh, integral part of the, the, the production line. He already had one or two players that were there, um, but what he what he found was difficult, that none of them were actually getting an opportunity. Um, it frustrated him. So I said, well, we've got to link these kids in somehow. So what, I wanted, so what we decided to do, we had a really good meeting. I said, look, I'm going to try and watch your kids play on a Saturday morning if I can. You know, whenever possible, I'll be there. Also, I'm going to pull in now and again. They're going to train with the first team. You know, I want you, you and you've got to tell, we'll have a meeting with the players. If you train well and do well and uh, and are progressing, I'm going to pull you in and train the first team, so that I can see you firsthand. You work with the, and all of a sudden they, they're, like, they're training up. And I remember Paul saying, "Training's gone incredibly uh, intense, uh, and they they desperately want to be over in your group, which is what you want." Um, so it, it sort of worked, and so these influences were very important in, in the early stages. And he certainly had a an eye for a young player coming through. Do you think there was players in there that we maybe could have sold that didn't? You know, maybe didn't make that next step. Yeah. Um, well, the one that um, uh, I'm trying to think which one is that. Normally, normally when you you know you try and uh, highlight some of the players and think, oh, God, he's got he's got a chance, he's got a chance. Um, but you you're also thinking. I would like to keep them. <laughs> you don't want to sell them. Um, and I think um, there was a few players who who possibly could have gone on, but we were holding it a little bit more, thinking, well, the values of we had interest in them, but there were always small pockets of money which didn't really interest you in a way. It wasn't enough. Um, I thought Nathan Stanton should have gone on and done better. I was expecting him to, to get... Uh, same, same with Sparrow as well. Uh, Gravesy was the one that, um, it, if he loved himself in, and uh, didn't beat himself up, he was his worst enemy himself. He, if he 
could change that and we're trying to change it he could have he had pace he had everything uh, going for him um he could have gone and had a really really good career uh i was disappointed but it's a damn himself because he was like he's so critical of himself making mistakes but we had some like i said we had some really good kids coming through and, and to have them in your team as well and it gelled them as well as, as wanting to be together and play together uh and they had a really good understanding and I think that was also that you know when you've got a team who actually know what each other's strengths are and weaknesses are and the protection of each other, it's that's decent camaraderie you've got there. In terms of the quality of the team at the time, how important was the Forrester Air and Gale partnership? Do you think? Oh, I mean, I, mean, I, I was very lucky. Now, um, is it luck, or is it I've got an eye for a striker? Because every year we have somebody who scored twenty goals, and that's that's rare. Um, I was very lucky that I could always pick out one or two and bring them in. Like Forrester would come in and, you know, on a free and get him to score 20 goals. Carruthers, 20 goals. You know, it, it, and it's in Johnny Air, who was already there, um, could score goals, but you've got to supply him. So we made sure we always had supplies for him. So, yeah, creating a goal scorer each year, it was a tough call, but we managed to get some really good good strikers in from next to nothing. And yet we we had the ammunition. And that, I think that was also that um, strikers wanted to come to us thinking, I can see he's coming and scored 20 goals. He's got 20 goals. He's got 20. I want to be part of that because I know that you must be supplying him by getting your crosses in. You've got good winners and so forth. So we had a good way of playing. So would you say we had a reputation at the time for bringing strikers in? Yeah. And turning them into goal well, scorers? They all knew that. And I used to say to them, hey, come here, use us as a stepping stone. Score your goals and off you go. We'll get somebody else. <laughs> uh, and what about, uh, you know, Garcia as well? Because obviously we know what impact he had in the final, but obviously quite important in that sort of season in the run-up as well. Uh, was, well, when I first arrived at, uh, at Scunthorpe, uh, Alex was was there, he'd been brought in this Spanish player who didn't speak any to anybody. Just his lad standing in the corner. Didn't know what, he's, what he was about, really. Um, and when I took over, um, I tried to talk to him, but obviously he had no concept in the sort of English way. Um, so I got an interpreter in to say, look, I think we need to find out what he, you know, What's his thoughts? Because nobody knows, you know, and we're, nobody's got the best out of him. Nobody's done anything with him. So we are, you know, cut our losses, but let's find out what he thinks. And we've got Dean Chevron, and then all of a sudden, like, Bleh. you know, he's like, just spilled all the beans. Like, so it, it was, uh, he spilled the beans, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, this poor lad's just been sitting in this dressing room, stuck in the corner. And he, they're playing me as a striker. I'm not a striker, you know. But he couldn't tell anybody or he didn't explain it to anybody properly and, and uh, I don't think anybody was listening to him. And then all of a sudden he just come alive. He was like, okay, well, okay, let's have a look at you in the field. And then all of a sudden he's like... And then he starts to, to, to start to speak English and, and and by the end of it, he, he, his Spinglish was good. <laughs> he was, you know, he's good. He was, he was brilliant. Great, great character. Uh, and a brilliant one in the dressing room, and you know, he, um, he, and he and he loved enjoying playing football for Suntory. Amazing. 
towards the end of that season, we obviously made the playoffs. And um, one game I remember really well, I was mascot that day, was the <laughs> yeah. Swansea oh, yeah, playoffs yeah, yeah. final. And I, I just remember the atmosphere that I, I don't think it's been better, to be no, honest, no. Um, ever since. How was that as, as kind of managing the side that night? Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we were trailing, weren't we? It was two, over two legs and we went to Swansea there. Now, talk about hostile. That was hostile. Uh, and uh, coming back. And and I remember with Boone and Mark Willis, uh, and he's gone, the Welsh, we're English, you know, mentality. And he says, I know what I'm going to do. Anyway, he just disappeared. The next minute, he's come out with a flag. And, and he's uh, stuck it in the ground. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> so I thought about setting the bomb off. But it was that mentality, you know, you know, them against us. And uh, and it fired the players up, to be fair, because we knew uh, how important it was for us. But it, it, it sort of... I don't know. Talk about a little bit of a divide. In, uh, yeah, they're foreign. <laughs> you know, let's get on with it. And it, and you know, you can feel it and sense it in the in the dressing room. Um, you know, the players were right, right up for it. And I remember that uh, Dawes, it was very early in the game, a few minutes in the game, scores. And I remember standing up. I was where are you? No, in the gantry. In the gantry, yeah. That was one of my greatest things I have to see. When I look back, I think, wow, what, that was brilliant. It was brilliant for me, uh, for my education, uh, for coaching, uh, because I'm, 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 you know, I, I get agitated on the touchline. I'm always falling out with people, <laughs> uh, particularly fourth officials. Uh, so, um, and and I'm, I'm a talker, so I'm almost talking players through the game. You know, your life, you know, you know I'm giving instructions. Um, so I decided to to go in the gantry in the first half and uh, and stuck them. I sort of trying, I'm going to need to sort of distance myself, give the players a little bit of breathing space. And anyway, the gantry was perfect because it's like you're looking over and you get a great view of the pitch. So he actually, it was it was brilliant for me because I can actually at half time I I was I was definitely getting my points across more much easier than I would have done if I was on the touchline when you just eye level. So that was one of my uh, main parts I really enjoyed doing. But the other one was the freedom I had up there because the referee couldn't stop me. He's not going to come up. So I could, I could bellow all these instructions out. And, if you, and I remember the players were looking up, going, like looking up, going, you know. And then if referees made a mistake, referee! But it was, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. The gantry was great. Mm. I loved it. Uh, let's talk about Wembley then, because obviously we get to the final. I want to talk a little bit about your preparation for that, because I know as, quite famously you sort of you took the team, let them have a walk around, and, and you put the tape on of the sort of the crowd. Yeah. yeah, what was your sort of thinking behind that? Well, you know, going back to my first experience, it's getting living daylight, so I have to be honest. Um, and I'm thinking these guys are nobody's played at Wembley before, nobody's had that experience, and it's quite um, deafening. So I actually asked um, the Wembley Stadium uh, uh, guy who, who does the logistics and stuff. Um, and I said to him, "We're going to come out on the day before. Can I ask you? Could you? Because I know you have got a, like a, a crowd replication. Would you put it on for me?" And he went, 
Mm. Nobody's asked me that before. I said, well, would you mind, you know, walking around? He said, if you see it walking around. So, yeah. So I'm coming, I'm being the dressing room, and the lads are like, obviously, really keen. And then put that on. It was definitely, you know, really loud. Uh, and I think it probably helped me a little. I mean, I don't know, like, listen, we don't know, do we? Try, you try all sorts. And I only did it for a reason, thinking, I just want them to think this is what it's going to be like tomorrow, so don't be nervous tomorrow. This is what it's going to be like. Um, and I think that, I, I don't know, it might or it might not, don't know. Uh, maybe because of the result suggests that it was a good thing for him. I'm, I'm sure people have tried lots of different things, but <coughs> it certainly worked for us on that occasion. Um, and it relaxed them. I remember uh, uh, in the tunnel, I knew we were going to win. I seriously knew. Big John Gale, gentle giant, fantastic guy in the dressing room. When I first, uh, John Gale was, um, he had, um, he had, his, well, you look on his CV, he had promotion, 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 promotion. And I remember talking to him before he came to school and thought, he went, boss, do you want to be promoted? Oh, of course I want to be promoted. He went, sign me. I'll get you promoted. And I said, and I was sort of like, I just, I love his attitude. Um, and he talked about a big, he was a big influence on the dressing room. The lads loved him. He was like, like a gentle giant, but he protected you. You know, if anything happened on the pitch, he'd be the one that would be protecting the boys. Uh, and and, uh, and he, 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 psychologically, he got on their heads and laid no eyes. Psychologically, he frightened them. Uh, and I remember being players had gone out, and uh, just as we were going out, and wishing all the players well, he went, I'm just going to do something on the, in, in the tunnel. I said, Don't, don't worry. I'm thinking, Oh my God, what's he going to do? <laughs> so we're on the, so. The players are in the tunnel, and I've come out, and I'm standing at the back end, uh, and John Gale's got a ball, and so there's Leighton Holman next to the wall, and he's like, and he's throwing the ball above the heads, and he's such uh, physical, he took, his, he took his shirt off in the corridor, and he's doing bouncing the ball above the heads, and I can see the Leighton Orient players looking at him, and then looking away, right? <laughs> Don't want to make eye contact. Don't want to make eye contact. And he's smashing his ball over the head, so intimidating them. And he's like, and he's just standing there with shirt off. And he was a specimen. I mean, he was, you know, you're talking about six pack, he had a 12 pack. He was like, it was, he had a ridiculous body on him for a footballer. He just looked like a boxer. And he intimidated me. And I've gone, oh my goodness, mate. The next minute, I could, and as soon as I looked at the late Norin players, I went, he's gone. Psychologically, we've gone. And I remember speaking to the manager afterwards. He said, the players were frightened. Yeah. We were frightened to death. He said, Gail, he's done. And we're in that corridor. So, credit to him. <laughs> we nailed him. Psych- he's got a psyche. <laughs> and then, obviously, the goal. Um, Alex. Alex. Yeah. It had to be Alex, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> it had to be Alex. Uh, to score the goal as well. It just absolutely, the script was written for him, wasn't it? Um, and I was so pleased for him, mm-hmm. you know that uh, he was the person that actually got us promoted. It was, it was an amazing feeling, brilliant. I remember uh, uh, after the game, I mean, we were celebrating, of course, and then after the, after the game, I don't think the directors were actually expecting us to get promoted because there was no champagne, <laughs> you know, nothing. We actually stopped off at an off-license 
right? So we thought, come on, Charlie, get, get, the, get the beers out and everything. And he's come back from Tesco's in the trolley with some, with some pork pies, with some pork pies, a couple of cans of beer. Rubbish. What a rubbish celebration this was. It was cheap's game. That was the first time I slaughtered the, the, the you know, in fun. And even the players joined in and went, oh, my God. But I don't think they were expecting it. So they didn't buy it. They didn't prepare themselves to think like we're going to get there. Got, uh, so going into next season, it's quite interesting on the back of that. What was the sort of aim, I guess, for the following season? Did they? Do you think they had to sort of revise their own sort of intentions? Well, I mean, getting, getting promoted was great. Um, but the difficulty from that was actually keeping hold of players mm-hmm. as well. Um, because... <clears throat> Uh, contracts were up because we we were a club that couldn't give contracts you know longevity. It was it was either you know two years or a year, you know, uh, because the turnover of players was so great. So nobody was nailed down. So when you put players were in a strong position, which we understand that, and they get to a point when you think we need you for next season, you know, uh, and if we get promoted, you're going to stay. And they're going, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in your mind, you're thinking, okay, we'll be all right, we'll be all right. But actually, money is the root of all evil, and I'm afraid when they get influenced and we can't actually get anywhere near the contracts that they've been offered, you start losing players. We lost strikers really late in the kit, which really upset me because it didn't give me time to, uh, to replenish change and, and, and get players in because we're, we're talking about we're, bit, we're in the playoffs so it's reduced our pre-season mm-hmm. time and negotiations with other players so in, you know I learned a lesson I, I have to say I learned a lesson on that one was thinking I mustn't believe everything that the players say you know because I did I believed everything they said to me uh, I trusted them however They've just coached it along because they know that their agents are beavering away uh, other clubs and, and when they've scored 20 goals. Um, so, uh, so it was really, um, it was really uh, uh, again, another learning curve for me to make sure we prepare ourselves and make sure I don't take everything that they actually say and let's actually get players in. Because that was a tough year, that one. Mm-hmm. Do you think that first game, I remember being there, it was the Wigan. Wigan away, yeah. yeah. It was John Gale and yeah. Wayne Graves up front. Yeah. I, I had to put Graves up front, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. And when you look back, you think, what? <laughs> you know, but that's what you were left with, you know. And and, and I, felt, I felt for the players because we just we just couldn't get the players in, or players in that we wanted. To, to, that, that we wanted. Uh, and in the end, it was... Um, we started the season and I'm thinking, well, well wait, we need more, mm. you know. So that was a really tough, tough one to take. But it also made the directors very aware that if we can't continue, this is going to be a tough year. We obviously made quite a few signings in the January that year. I think Steve Toby came and Brian Quayley, yeah. players like that. Was that the ball kind of realising there was big investment needed in that Yeah, window? Yeah, I mean, it was the time when, you know, like I said, we've missed the opportunity to bring players in. Um, so we had to do something in January. Uh, and it was a, it, it was a case of we're going to have to take a risk uh, and bringing in, we're in a higher division, we need to get somebody in with experience. And, and Toby was one of our biggest signings, really, to come in and give us that leadership up front. 
Gary couldn't do it anymore. His legs are gone, and no disrespect, he can't bully the other one. You know, he can't use his physicality in the, in a higher division. It has to be a bit more football aspect, and uh, so you know, and that was that was sort of the the, the realities for for us all. You mentioned Torpy there. Was he a bit of a favourite of yours? <laughs> People keep saying it in the summer. Yeah, is it the summer? Which made me laugh. Um, the, the problem is, people will look at Torps and go, well, he's only scored such and such. But, but if you ask, if you ask the players, if you ask the players, um, who would you want in your, your lineup? I said Torps. Mm-hmm. And the reason he would say that is because he might not score, but he does create. And he, and, and he, there's no coincidence that the strikers playing alongside him are getting all the goals because he takes all the weight off them. So, and I expect him to chip in with goals, of course, but he brings a bit of value to the team because he's, he's, he's high in physicality and his determination. He's really quiet, but once he's on the park, he, he, he's like a man possessed. Um, and he'll go, uh, and he put himself in places where, you know, he's just going to get hurt. Um, but it frees up, we have space for the, for, for the likes of like the Jamie Foresters who, who came in and... and uh, and you ask them, they'll say, I, I benefit of him. Mm-hmm. So they, they know their value. It was unfortunate that people, uh, supporters, just go, well, look, he's not scoring as many goals, and he's our highest, you know, uh, player group that's coming. Do you think he was underappreciated? I mean, for me, he was one of my favourite players. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do actually think Tops was under, well, wasn't appreciated by the fan, was by me and the other players. And that's the, that was the most important thing was what his value to the dressing and, um, and people were like, oh, you're only playing because he's your favourite. No, he wasn't was a tosh. He, he brought a value to the team. But if he didn't bring that into the team, he wouldn't be playing. Mm-hmm. And that season as well, there was there was another kind of fallout with a, with a certain player, Steve Guinan. Um, I think he yeah. he um, suggested that you'd stripped him of his tracksuit in the, in the car park. Was that true? Not suggested. <laughs> But not you don't have to suggest it. I definitely did. <laughs> um, well, this was this 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 thing was you know talk about finances at football clubs. Scunthorpe finances. I managers managers now don't you know they put the don't even work with budgets. And I had a strict budget. I actually had a budget sheet, and each month I have to go to the board and say well, this is our expenditure for this month. So we're talking pounds and pence. You know the nuts and bolts of a football club. So I had to understand the finances of the football club, and um, it's like kit. How much kit we get in, this, in pre-season, and you know, you get we get a little bit of sponsorship, but we still have to pay. So that that comes out in the pot. So we, you know, you negotiate with them like how many tattoos you want for the year, how many kits you want for the for the year. Now, of course, we went through a lot of players, and Steve Gang was on loan from Forest, he, and anything he well, and he promised me he was going to stay. And, and then on his last game, he said, oh, no, I'm not that. I'm going to go back. And I've gone, what? You've told us all the last few weeks that you, you're definitely staying. I've told the board we've agreed it. I've actually agreed it with Forrest that you're going to stay with us. And uh, he said, oh, no, I've, I've changed my mind. I said, well, okay, if you change your mind, give us your tracksuit. He went, well, I'll send it back. I went, no, you won't. You won't send it back. He said, well, I haven't got anything else with me. I went, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I said, well, 
I'm going to have to go, I can't see if I've got anything that can't start following them. <laughs> I've got really up, because I got wound up, yeah. one, because he actually, you know, talks a bit of a porky pie. But secondly, I did actually need the tracks here. It wasn't a wind up, it wasn't like a, just for him. I needed it for the next person that's for me, because I had not, we had no spare tracksuits and stuff like that. <laughs> so Steve Gannon, in the car park, taking his tracksuit top off, finished. I said, I want the bottoms as well. <laughs> so he's gone home in his underpants. <laughs> T-shirt. <laughs> I wasn't even laughing at the time. I mean, obviously, I look back now and I think, what was I doing? This <laughs> well, I've sent him packing in his underpants. So, yeah. So, we had a little bit of a... <laughs> I even had the club. I even had the manager with me off in Forest Street. But he just laughed. He just laughed. I said, mate, I'm desperate for tracksuits. And I knew if I said to Gary, uh, yeah, send it. He'll never send it. One of the bright spots of that season was probably Lee Hodges. He had a really good season that year. Um, And we kind of spoke to him recently, um, and he was saying that you'd spotted him play for South End and and obviously brought him to the club. Obviously, invested a little bit in him. Yeah, about 50 grand for that. Yeah. Do you think he kind of fulfilled his potential? No, no, he'll know that as well. He he was a fantastic footballer. And brilliant, skillful lad, really great to get on with, um, you know. But he, if he had that, he didn't really take football seriously enough for me. Um, if he had that, I mean, I think he could have had a really good career. He certainly had the potential. Um, you know, as a kid at West Ham, they were all doing the same thing. You know, he had a he had this the skill factor, uh, and but he'd never work at it, you know. And that was, I think that was disappointing, really, uh, because his, his career sort of faded instead of blossoming because he had everything that was required apart from, you know, you wouldn't give it at all. You know, there's, there's other things that distracted him. Um, and But what a great kid. Still see him now and uh, still have a good chat. And he was brilliant in the dressing room. Funny, the players loved him, fans loved him. Um, but oh my goodness, the potential was so great. Yet yeah, I think he was the most underachieving one for me. Do you think bringing? Do you think when Bigri came in? Do you think that sort of hindered that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, because we, you know, even Biggs in, in, in the late stages of his career, in his late thirties, had a bigger appetite. Still, he wanted to train hard. You know, uh, physically work out, make sure he, you know he's prepared for games, and I think it showed him. You know that. This is, look at Biggs's career, mm-hmm. and look at you know where you you what you got. And I think you had more. He had more skill than Biggs, but Biggs had a determination. And to be fair, Biggs tried to work with him as well and try to get the best out of him. But you know, at the end of the day, you can only you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. I'd say let's well let's sort of ask about Bigri actually because you know big signing you know he's obviously had a great career so how did you obviously you know you've mentioned already that you'd sort of encountered him before but how yeah. did you how did you manage to convince him? Uh, yeah, Tom was Brian Clough. And <laughs> 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 no, I mean, he, he, I mean, big, I knew Biggs was uh, was again he's a, a player that I kept in touch with, and I was asking him what he's doing. He says, "Oh, I'm looking." Across, said, do you fancy coming across to Scully? He went, no, not sure about that one. And uh, anyway, we had a few chats. And I said, I'll think about it. Anyway, I rang him at home and his wife, uh, what I thought was his wife, answered the phone. And I said, Lynn, come on, Lynn, Lynn, 
I don't want to speak to pigs. What do I have to do? Do I have to come and sleep with you? <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Lynn's not out in at the moment. It was a babysitter. I Oh my god! Right, talk about everybody. Uh, and so that's me. After that, deal's finished now. I've got no chance. Anyway, Big's running the back. He's laughing. He's like, "I'll come across and have a chat with you." I said, "All right, okay." Anyway, we'll chat, and uh, I'm sitting to the court, and they, and they were panicking because they just looked at his age, you know. And I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And but you look how many games he plays, and you know, you know what he'll give, and his supply mechanism. He'll give us a extra dimension. He's a great character as well, uh, and he'd be brilliant in the dressing room. Um, like I said, strong character. And it was so hard to get the, 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 the board to be convinced because they were worried, thinking, oh, and he gets, he's going to be our biggest earner. And, uh, but it was one of my best decisions, to be fair. Uh, and I, I was grateful for the, for the club to back it, actually. And thankfully, Biggs produced the goods to produce to prove that it was more than valuable. Yeah, great time. Do you think with kind of Beagree and Hodges on, on the wings and then the strikers we had at the time, you know, you mentioned Carruthers, yeah, Torp, yeah. mm-hmm. players like that, we, we may be underachieved a little bit in a couple of those seasons, you know, the playoff yeah. seasons. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. I think um, the, we had enough firepower. Every even, every team would, you know, we talk, because we, when you talk for a game, managers go, <laughs> you know, they'll say to you, God, can call. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your, your wingers and strikers and da, da, da. Um, and each each week that go by there would always there would be a compliment about the team to say God you know you're the team to beat and so yeah there was times when you think you know we had the firepower but we were a bit sloppy and we made some real errors uh, uh, in defence and but I also learned I learned uh, again a great valuable insight is it you want to speak to other managers and what their successes are and how they build teams. And I remember talking to Tony Pulis. I was I was at a game and we spoke for about three hours. It flew by. And I was talking to him about you know I keep getting I sort of get the ingredients right, but I seem to fail. You know I've got a small budget and I'm trying to manipulate it all around into to the eleven. And, and trying to get my creative players, you know, obviously they're going to cost more. Even. He said, "Well, I, I, I learned, he said I learned a lesson." He said, 
start to think about where your key positions are and it's right down the spine of your team and uh, so I'd rather pay a goalkeeper I'd rather pay I'd lose a player to pay him so he's worth two players because he's going to save you a lot and I'm, do you know why you're right why am I messing around with you know okay just okay goalkeepers who are okay in that division but we want more than okay and uh, and that was the turn um, when we started do you know what you're right get the spine so that, that's when you know we went down the middle uh, and uh, and we built everything around it and that's when we got that's when it clicked and I, I wish I'd have spoken to Tony earlier because it, it just influenced me in thinking you're right it, it says because goalkeepers you don't realise they can you know they'll make saves uh, and expected saves but the goalkeepers make exceptional saves which actually could have been a draw mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you mentioned that sort of the spine of the team and obviously bringing players like Crosby and Barraclough and we'll talk about them in a second but we've just got this sort of incident that happens so in between there where Steve Wharton steps down as chairman and then it's it's Chris it's Chris Holland isn't it that sort oh. of takes over yeah and so Obviously, you sort of removed for a little bit and then come back almost oh, immediately. Sorry. What what happened oh, there? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, well, it was bizarre. I mean, Steve, Steve Wharton, uh, he, he's the most honest guy you could ever work with because what he says is he'll stick with. And he made a comment um, season before. He said, um, you know, that if if the fans don't want me, I'll go. You know, I'll step down. Uh, I'll resign. I'm not, I'll just do it. And, so, uh, and I think some fans are called for him. Yeah, resign. So he, so he said, look, smart season, I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, sorry. Because I did say it and I'm going to stick by it. And the, the, the fan, you know, I'm sitting through the fans. There's one man who's done probably said it. You know, so it's you know, not necessarily so he wanted him to go. And I was gutted actually. But understand that he once he makes his decision or he or he says something, he'll stick with it. Um, and then he just said, oh, I'm sorry, if I'm going to go. He said, but I'll, I will be, you know, still a shareholder uh, and I'll still support the football club. And then you know, Mr. Holland took over. And uh, my first meetings with him were almost a disaster. It was like... And Mr. Holland was uh, almost intimating straight away that no, oh, you've been here too long. Yeah. That wasn't the first encouraging uh, conversation I wanted to hear. Um, so yeah, it was a quite clear that there was a um, there was an issue. So I remember having a board meeting and uh, we're talking about something and, and everything I said he was negative about it, and I just put my pen down and shut my door do you want me to go and he said yeah fine not a problem not a problem I wish you had talked to me instead of going around you know, beating around the you know, bushes you know thing if that's what it is it's all my country there whatever it is and uh, I'll be off and anyway so I've left and I've rang Steve Wharton said, look, just to let you know, you'll be the first person I want to tell him I've left the W. What? What's going on? 
I said, Steve, I said, I can't remember with the guy. He's, he's, he's determined to want to do it his own way. Um, he wants, he just wants to rip up the, the he wants to rip up the, the script. And, uh, and I, you know, we've worked so hard to get where we are. Um, but now it's, it, it, it's impossible to work with people like that. So anyway, I said, look, Steve, I'm going on holiday. I, I, I'm going for a break. He said, don't do anything. I've gone, Steve, I'm going on holiday. And anyway, about seven days later, I get a phone call from Steve. He said, where are you? Said, I'm on a boat. I'm on a cruise. Yeah. When, when are you coming back? I said, well, I don't know. I've got a few more days left. Come in, I need to come, I'll come and see you. Anyway, you can't. He came to see me, and they've obviously been doing whatever they've been doing about him coming back in and taking control again. He wasn't happy with what he's seen. And anyway, there was in between there was games that were being played. Team was falling apart, <clears throat> um, and I just think he was just out of his depth. He, uh, and he didn't. He, he was struggling with. The fact that one they were losing didn't know what to do, uh, and um, I don't know what I don't know what went on the boardroom. It was a kept but I remember Steve saying, I'm, "I'm taking back control, uh, and I want you back in." So that was it, really. So it was it was like it was a nice break, out of it. but um, it was one that was was unnecessary. But you know, fortunately, sometimes as, as you see now. It, you know, chairman who wanted to take control of the football club wanted on their terms and wanted to do it on their way. They don't want to be influenced by what was going on before. It wasn't a, it, it wasn't a, a great relationship, I have to say. And obviously, obviously, you came back in, and then you know we had a good season, didn't we? We we signed the spine of the team, as you said, and. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a good blend of youth with players like Hayes and Taylor, and it was it was a good good period to watch. I thought you know I remember it well. And would, what would you say was was the real catalyst? That was it, the span of the team. Yeah, it was. It, it was that. It was like it was almost like a light bulb moment uh, when I was turned but turning and I said, do you know what? You're right. Why am I spending all that money in these areas when actually it is the spine? So I, I reverted to get that goalkeeper in. Um, and pay the money that is required to get the better goalkeeper. Uh, and what an influence and what a, what a difference um, it made. It was it, people was in the pudding. Um, so putting that team together was 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 vital. Uh, and then building it all around. It's funny, isn't it? We talk about well, normally your strikers are going to be cost me the most. Paul Hayes cost me the least. He was the least that was costing me. And the reason he was costing me because he was still on a wide team. And our contribution towards his wages was 20 quid. Best signing ever. Bargain. Bad. Eh? What, a, what a signing. Yeah. <laughs> 20 quid for Norwich. Because he was still on a, a YT scheme, which was, we still had to do his college work and so forth. But the difference that we would be paying the YTs to them was 20 quid. So all I had to do is, because he couldn't be made a pro until, he, until his time was up. And he was brilliant. And twenty quid. Yeah. I can't believe it. Twenty quid a week coffee. And that's obviously a promotion season as well, isn't it? So yeah. I guess what's we obviously it's not done through the players, but what's your sort of differing experiences from the last time it sort of went up? It was just it. <clears throat> when when we went up again, it, 
when we had that team together, it was like uh, you could you could feel it. It was right, you know. Everything was the components were right. Players just knew exactly their roles and responsibilities, and each one fitted in really well. The jigsaw was really good. Whereas the previous time when we went up, it was like um, on a good day it was great, on a bad day we'd have one, you know. But this one seemed to just really get the consistency. And you just knew going into games that we had a winning mentality in each game, home or away, didn't matter. That first half of the season, I don't think we lost many games, maybe one or two. And then we had the third round of the FA Cup. You've obviously mentioned that was really important. And the, the trip to Chelsea, yeah. um, that was obviously, we were quite unlucky that day, I think. Oh, man, I, I remember. Um, it was it was brilliant because obviously the Mourinho was manager at the time. And he was quite respectful. Um, he did a, They did a lot of homework on us. Um, after the game, I mean, we had a great game. I loved it. Uh, great experience for the players. The first time, Randy Odessa to take the lead, um, and then you know he, he starts bringing on his big guns. Yeah. And, going, and I'm standing on the touchline, going, you "Don't really want to go on here," <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to stop them from coming on. But actually, I was so proud of the players; they were brilliant. And they, you know, and afterwards he said, "Look, you were brilliant. It's your day." And he, uh, and to be fair to him, yeah. He opened his dress for him. He said, Tell me, please, come in. Because they're like, you know, I don't want shirts. Yeah. Like, I want shirts. <laughs> They'd already been, you know, been, promi- been promised shirts from left, right, and centre. So they were swapping shirts, getting autographs, and also taking pictures in the dress for him. You think, hang on a minute, this is where you want to be, isn't it? <laughs> and then Mourinho came in and, and he had a glass of wine and he, he, he said, he said, uh, yeah, we, we took it very seriously and, you know, there's your dossier, uh, what we thought about your team, you know, which was quite, it, it was nice actually, because actually what he actually had written down is what I knew. So that was quite, you know, it was quite good. Uh, I thought, yeah, you know, yeah, you've done your own work. Mm-hmm. Um, so fair play to you. Well, it, it was, it was a, a brilliant occasion. And then obviously back to the, the league, obviously we've got promoted and then we showed that you can compete in League One with that yeah. season. And we mentioned obviously the strikers and the partnerships that you've found. And obviously that's where we first sort of see Sharp and Keo together, which I think probably still yeah. regarded as... I think they were the best. The best. Yeah. yeah. I, well, getting Sharp in was, was more. We had him in a pre-season game uh, from Sheffield United uh, and Neil Warnock was managing. And uh, we had him in a pre-season game uh, and... Didn't do a lot, but there was one ball come in and he was there. Finished it, you know, made it look easy. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, it's not the biggest, but you know, he knows where the back of the net is. And, you know, he always seems to get in the right spot. Uh, and then I looked at it, so he went away. Anyway, I went, took the, the DVD back home and I watched it again. And I was watching where his runs were. Because he had, he didn't have a lot of touches in it, but where his runs were going, and I thought, yeah, that's my man. I quite like him. I'd like to see if I can get him back. And then it was, uh, uh, and he trained with us, and his enthusiasm in training, like, you know, when he scored a goal in training, it was not like it was a first team game. You know, he celebrated. I'm thinking, you take the bit. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> Are you taking the mickey? You know, but no, he celebrated. Scoring in the in, in the in practice game, um, and you know it, that's how much it meant to him. And he, his work ethic was brilliant. So the negotiations with Sheffield United were tough because Neil Walt didn't fancy him. He thought he was too small. 
um, wasn't sure about him. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, yeah, I suppose you can have him. He says, but um, how much can you, you afford? I said, well, oh. I said, no, we've got no, no money at all. I said, I've spoken to the chairman, I've rung his, no, I've turned him upside down, emptied all his pennies in out of his pocket. I've got about 50 grand. He went, is that the best you can do? I went, it's the best I can do. And so he said, leave it with me. And he rings over and says, go on, I'll do it. 50 grand, I'm like, oh. <laughs> So, uh, and he proved to be a brilliant sign, but I needed somebody to work alongside him. Uh, watched here in, in uh, Leeds Reserves, and he's running off the ball was phenomenal at uh, energy levels. And uh, again, set the chairman. I take gamblers. He's very young as well. He's only eighteen. And again, negotiated fifty grand for him. Um, as soon as these two got together, it, it was like a marriage. The pair of them just gelled instantly. And uh, I, and there was one day. There was one day I I, I overheard them talking. Didn't know I was there. And I remember him uh, sharply saying, you know when you get in that corner, if I'm facing at three o'clock, right, I'm going to touch the ball directly over my head, right? So I'll flick it. Always, I'm always going to flick it. it might be, you know, so he's talking to me about football. He says, so you can gamble on me, gamble on me. And that, mm. and that combination, of him, obviously they've talked about it, they've worked about it. So every time you got in a position where he knew that sharply would, have a little touch and he'll gamble on it and he got through so, like all the time it was like it, it it never stopped working it was brilliant and uh, they were growing they were just growing all the time in fact they, they were best mates still our best mates and it's best definitely the the strength of the team for sure they were frightening um they were out of control really they, yeah, nobody could stop them and uh we all knew Keep these two together, we're going to get promoted. They're just, uh, it's just, keep it tight at the back. These balls go. And uh, it went on, obviously, getting all the way through right to the championship. Now, I'd say it was a lot of that team that you sort of put together that did get us to the championship. Yeah, they didn't have to, that was the thing, you know, I, I remember leaving um, and I said to Steve Wharton, I said, I know it, it, this is tough, it's tough for me as well because I know there's, I've built something here that I know is going to get promoted. Mm-hmm. And I says, but they don't need anything to change. They know exactly the rules and responsibilities. They know all the set plays. They know them off by heart. They know all where they should be, where they shouldn't be. And, you know, and then and I said, no disrespect. I said, probably Jerry, he, you know, Jerry, he could run the team. You know, as long as they just do exactly the same, you know, uh, still work with and train at the same high, high intensity. And I says, now I'll, I'll, you know, what I'm going to do is, I'll leave Nigel behind um, for now. Nigel's got, what are you doing? I'm going to be over there. You know, because that was the whole thing. We're all going to go as a partnership to Sheffield Wednesday. And I said, Nigel, you need to stay for a couple of weeks just to let them bed in, right? I know you don't want to, but that's the way it is. And, but because the team were just so well organised and, and didn't need to do anything and they just kept going. And in the end, he enjoyed that. And it, he's gone on from yeah. doing really, really well. So... Fair play to him. Like I said, things change, don't they? It's, you know, Nigel's supposed to be Wills. His contract was already signed. 
we spoke to Liam Barakoff about that season and he, he kind of said it was, it, in a certain way, it was quite easy. You know, it, the team kind of know, knew what they were doing and, yeah. and it just kind of rolled on and on. And it that, that, yeah, and with Crozier there as well and, and, and Barrow, the, the, you know, on the pitch they took ownership of, of you know, organisation and, and um, when and where to work and, and when to press, when not to press. And so it was quite an easy that was probably one of the easiest seasons I'd had where actually, apart from a little bit of tweaking, that was that was off and running. Yeah. And was it that season we went to Forest and and Fort? Yeah. What was it Fort? Fort Hill, I think. Yeah. Fort was it a Fort one? The only reason I'm saying yeah. that is because I was actually doing the Forest game yesterday against Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> and the, they conceded four goals. And I and so I'm saying, <laughs> when was that time Forest actually <laughs> conceded four goals at home? <laughs> and he's gone, well, and then he goes, and he's gone back. You asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> you had quite a good record against Forest, though. In the yeah. Game. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, we had a really good uh, record the whole man away. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is, which is uh, phenomenal, really. But uh, no, they, like like I said, they were brilliant. That was my almost. It was almost like all the hard work that they've been working through to get to that point. You know, it's like that's it. That was the the season where I thought. The best I, that's the best you can put together in every position. That was that was it for a scum thought. Um, that was a phenomenal. You sort of mentioned the move to Wednesday already, and you sort of all going as a group. And I think it was quite early on in the season. So, wh- how, when did you sort of know that was happening? When I guess when was that decision made? Oh, well, it was um, we played Huddersfield away, uh, and um. I mean, Steve Walton was obviously trying so hard for me to stay. Uh, you know, bless him, he, he did. And it was, it's hard when you got, you know, when you got a comfy pair of slippers on, you know, there's longevity mm-hmm. and um, a relationship that could go on and on and on. And um, and I would have been quite happy. But I think you get to a point where you go, but if you, you've got to try and, and, and go bigger and, and higher and, and so on. And yeah, I could get stumped up into the championship, but then, you know, where's my next level? Is it just going to be that all the time in my career? I've been here 10 years and it's like a real wrench. I mean, I'm talking about my family. I've got family here now. I've got a wife who, 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 who's actually been part of the football club as well. So it's like... Um, a really big decision and actually I did shed a few quite a few tears about it um to think this is a this is a big decision but I knew I wasn't leaving the club in a mess. I left them in a really strong position and uh you know and thankfully they went on and got promoted. So that that sort of eased my the pressure on, on me for doing, making that decision. And um it allowed me to go to Wednesday and, and I had three years there. Tough times. Uh, to be fair, Steve Walton warned me. He said, um, it, it, "It's not going to be a bed of roses, you know that, don't you?" I said, "Well, it's probably good with the territory, yeah. but I'll have to find. I'd like to find out myself." Um, so uh, one one sort of stat from that that sort of time, which I, I think is worth bringing up, is the first manager in ninety five years to do the double over Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah, it still it exists. Yeah, it exists. So at least I've left something behind. Um, yeah, I, I mean that was an amazing. Uh, you know, I didn't really know the stat before. 
but obviously the Sheffield derbies are quite intense. And uh, I remember doing the first game, um, and uh, when we won at home, or one nil, and the atmosphere. You know, I was standing. I remember standing on the touchline, and they it was full house, like forty thousand, and they were bouncing, you know, singing before the game. And the the I remember the vibration of the stadium was actually on the pitch. I could feel it on my feet, my hairs in the back of your neck standing up. It's like whoa, you know, this is amazing. It really great atmosphere, and um, it was brilliant to be part of it. But then go to the to Sheffield United and and uh, the history between both clubs. That's the one thing I think I bought into was I understand the it's like Scunthorpe. I understand that you know when you go into a, a football club, you got to understand what they're about. Understand what these local derbies mean to them. I've never trip any of them as a as a normal game. I actually always used to build them up as um, you know for that week. I, I wanted the players to be built up. So that they're going to it ready and prepared, but you know, in a, in a manner not overwhelmed them, but to a point of which they know this is really it's a big game. It's not an ordinary game. They should never treat it like that because uh, uh, there's too much there's too much at stake. For it. So going into the second game was was brilliant. Uh, again, very hostile, uh, and we had the audacity to take the lead. And obviously, they got an equaliser, and then. Took a score an absolute worldie, um, which he never do again. <laughs> Not in his lifetime. But it, it was one of those moments that in my career I would look back and think, "Oh, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was an, that was a great feeling." And you mentioned just before that about sort of one of the reasons for going to Sheffield Wednesday, sort of career progression and things like that, and going to the next level. Of course, you do that again when you go to Burnley and sort of managing. Obviously, it's where you started, but managing in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that was the other thing, is, is the core of, of, of Burnley. What, you know, I, I grew up... I remember Burnley coming in for me when I was at Sheffield Wednesday before. Uh, well, we were doing really well. And, uh, and they were refused permission to talk to me. Although, in a roundabout way, they did. But I said, I, I, I'm, if, I, if you don't get permission, then it's not official. And I'm not prepared to just, you know, walk away. Uh, and I would like to think you respect that. Uh, so then when they came, when it, the opportunity came to go, uh, when they were in the Premier League, after the manager had left to go to Bolton, um, it was a yeah, it was um, it, it was always going to be difficult. Um, the one thing I mean, I spoke to them for hours and hours and hours about. Look, where do you where do you think you should be as a football club? You know, what's your intentions? Knowing that when you find out what the budget is. The budget's fourteen million. The nearest rival from that is thirty-four million. That's a big jump. Mm-hmm. So that's your rock bottom, and generally your finances, although they they don't always dictate, but you, it's not far away from giving you what your table is, uh, uh, and generally that's what happens. However, so I said, you know, is the philosophy for the football club to do everything possible to stay in it? Because um, you're going to throw money at it, or are you going to stay as you are and try and do the best you possibly can and build, you know, almost might be a yo yo. And they said, oh, we, we know that we'll get relegated. It's not that we, we, we know that, but we've got to prepare ourselves that we want to give the best shot we can. 
so that we could be stronger in the, in the championship next year. So that encourages you to go on because there's absolutely, you know, it it would be it was an almost an impossible task that we can't even compete anywhere near the kind of values that other football clubs are. I remember Steve Bruce when we played Sunderland and he said, obviously, what's your budget? And I told him, he went, oh my God, he says, mine's 42 and we're in the relegation zone. You've got no chance. <laughs> um, uh, we'll come back onto the, sort of the next bell at Scunthorpe again in a second, but I think just one last connection with Burnley that would interest people listening to this is obviously you took Martin Patterson there, who we had uh, at Scunthorpe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Patrick was great. Um, he got injured, though. He, he picked up a lot of injuries. Um, and that was, I mean, that was throughout his career, which is really sad because, again, talk about a lad who, who would chase, you know, and then Chris Packing and, and, and Wendy Day, he would chase it. Um, and he's the kind of player that you would need for that high energy, but I could never get him on the pitch. Uh, great kid, but couldn't, just could not get him on the pitch enough. And yet he was, you know, he'd give his all when he was out there. Um, and as Pato has been part of Scunthorpe uh, connection as well, that was that was really, you know, really significant as well. But just couldn't get him on the pitch. I'd love to have played, used him a lot more, but just couldn't really get him on that on the, on the football pitch, which was a shame. And his career has been riddled, mm-hmm. you know, been riddled with injuries. Uh, obviously, in 2012, he came back to the club. Um, in Barrowcliffe had obviously um, been sacked and then Alan Nil. Um, had you seen any football around that time? Had you seen the, the team? And yeah, the yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't go watching it at Scunthorpe, but I did see them away, away from home. Um, I, t- I tried to stay away, really. Because, you know what, people are like, they, if I went on the, to just even watch a game, even though it's on my doorstep, and why wouldn't I want to watch a game of football? Not just watching Scunthorpe, I'd be watching that position as well. But it, it was... Um, it was difficult because everybody puts assumptions together and it, there was never the case that so I stayed away um, for that purpose but it was um, I'd always look well, if you've worked in a place so long as I have and still got a connection at the football club um, of course I'm going to of course I'm going to watch and look and you know be interested because they're good people there was a few fans that were a little bit critical at that time because obviously Alan Neil was kind of on the edge and then you book a come out I think he'd done a book signing at the club and there was maybe fans putting two and two together yeah, yeah, yeah. but there was nothing going no, on no I was only did just to uh, yeah trying to try to sell books before Christmas <laughs> I see you've got one I've got one there yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got a few as well they're, they're just propping up my shelf bookshelf yeah but um, yeah you, you know it was you know I went to Sheffield Wednesday and did a bit there did a bit and I'm thinking you know is that the right appropriate thing Sorry. Uh-huh. Oh, God. <laughs> was it a sort of relatively easy decision to come back, though? Um, I said, but in a way, it was a natural one yeah. for me to, because it was like, yeah, I want to help the club. Steve Walton, of course, I want to, I want to support him, try and help him as much as possible can. But he, again, he was, had the same, he wanted to get out, he's had enough. You know, and uh, he said, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, Brian, so I can't say how long I'm going to be here. I said, well, you know, I'm a big boy now. I can look after myself and we'll see how things go. But I think the, the initial thing was to try and, you know, get the club, you know, in a stable position. And uh, I mean, the, 
financially they were getting a little bit out of control. And that's the one thing I used to always have. A, a, I used to treat the money like it was my own. I'm a Geordie. I'm tied. So therefore, I'd make sure the budget is kept to its minimum. Because I think it is, Steve Walton's philosophy was, if anything happened to the football club or to him, the club would run on its own. Now, surely that's good business. And when you look at the likes of Bury, who have gone and spent way above their means, and now look what the mess they're at. And you can't, you know, you can't let, let that happen to a small club because there's no other revenues to come in. And that was always my thoughts as well, and Steve's. Uh, yet he did get out of control. They were way above where they should have been. Uh, you mentioned sort of Watson saying he's not sure how long he was sort of going to be at the club, and obviously we know that's about the time where we have the sort of the board changes, everything like that. It was was that sort of distracting at the time with all that stuff going on behind the scenes? Sort of what was going on with the yeah. club? I wasn't comfortable with a lot of it um, because. I never knew who was actually going to be in control. And that was the thing. Um, you know, obviously you get on with the football side, but in terms of controlling the football club, there were so many people saying so many things it, it, until we actually really got somebody actually into the football club and and took over uh, Steve's role. You know, we were guessing. And then it was that summer, obviously Dennis Hobson and Pete as well had a bit of a power struggle, if you like, and Swan eventually taking over as chairman. Yeah, I mean, that, it, yeah, again, again, for, for a club of that stature, it was, you know, to have a, to have that fight, you know, it was ridiculous. And I had to try and distance myself from both, yet I still had to commit, be in contact with both, which was really odd. And I think, uh, I don't know, uh, Peter Swan thought I might be on, a, on the opposition side. I have no idea. Uh, but we didn't really hit the ground running um, and he uh, immediately that Swan came in he said um, budget has to be cut by 40% which I have no problem with um, I agree really but then we uh, but then I on the flip side of that if you're going to cut something what's your expectations with that and it was Flotation with can we get in the playoffs somewhere around there? Um, that would be brilliant, and I was more than happy to go and uh, I was more than happy to uh, actually do that. And because uh, that's my game, that's how I, I work. Once I know what the budget is, I can work with it. And eventually, obviously, ultimately, Swan sacked you as, as manager of Scunthorpe United. Did you feel that was a little bit harsh? Of course, it came off the Grimsby game, didn't it? Had no. to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, typical. Isn't it? Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I did, I, I was quite agreed with it, yeah, uh, I have to say, because I've done everything that was required, you know, if you were saying, um, if the manager was asked to do a task and, or save money for the business, take, I've done that, um, have I put a squad together that was capable of being in the playoffs, take, did that, so I've done all the conjuring that we possibly can, and then that 16 games that I had, we never lost two league games on the bounce. So I wasn't, I built a squad together that was capable of being in the promotion area. Uh, and it was, if, it was only a couple of weeks before we could have been top of the league uh, when we went to York and lost heavily. Uh, and then it was like the Grimsby, mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the cup. And I have to say, after the game, my team talked to the players, our post match was, Fantastic. 
first and foremost, not about the result, fantastic in the, in, the, in the way we played. Loved it. Loved every bit of it. I thought we were brilliant. The only criticism is we didn't score the goals. However, if, and I said to the players at that time, if you continue playing the same way, we will get promoted. So go home, forget about it. I did. I went on, but next day, got the job. Were you surprised that um, Russ stayed on after that? No. I mean, I mean that's the one thing that football clubs don't, you know, some, some have experience where everybody goes. And sometimes the manager goes because they haven't got the finances, so they're not sure what they're going to do. So they put some in temporary charge, and it's generally something like that. And we'll stay. And I'd like, you know, I'm glad he stayed because it means that the players have familiarity. And I said to Russ, keep it the same. You've got all, we've got all the players, but everything that needs to uh, get his goals. And uh, in the club, we got promoted, and they did. When I tried them, uh, I suppose we'll, we'll just sort of end with one or two sort of general ones that have been sent in and things like that. Um, which do you think? Because obviously, you put together quite a lot of teams with Scunthorpe. Which do you think was either the most successful or the sort of the best one? Yeah, well, I would say the uh, the one surprisingly leading actually mm. uh, it has to be the best squad because I thought in terms of a team that's as good as I've I've actually put together in all my time. Uh, it had everything, it had goals, craft, and creativity. It is had everything. So, in in terms of that, who who would you say is the most talented player you've ever made? Well, Biggs, uh, Biggs would be the talented. Um, I mean, he was at a different level, wasn't he? He played he, and, he, and he played like he was at a different level. He shouldn't be there. Uh, so we were grateful to have him there. Uh, but in terms of uh, guile and, and worthiness, the two strikers in in, in Sharpie and Kier have to be in the top list. Which player would you like to have signed and either the deal fell through or you can quite get it over the line? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. I've tried, I mean, I've tried for loads and loads of players and failed, and failed through, through whatever reason. Uh, I actually went in for Vardy. Um, and I think we had 40, 40 grand, 40, 50 grand to spend. And uh, they were getting offers of 300 grand. <laughs> I think it's a no then. <laughs> yeah. So it's tough on that. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. You, you know, we must quiet about everybody. Um, I, would, I think we'll maybe just end with this one because obviously you've sort of said that when you left for Sheffield Wednesday, you were leaving the team, you know, in a good position. You knew pretty much they were going to get promoted. Um, some sent in. Do you regret leaving Scunthorpe at the top of League One at the time when it perhaps didn't work out as well at Wednesday? I can't. I can't say regret now, um, because uh, what my vision was from Scunny's point of view, it, it actually happened. So in a way, I've played part of that. Yeah, and I'm comfortable with that because had they failed, I, I did have a regret. The fact that they got up, it made no difference. So I, I thought the fact that they actually got promoted, that made me feel better. Yeah. 
And I think we'll leave that there then. Yeah, that was that was really, we really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for doing this. It's all right, brilliant. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening to this and all the usual stuff, like, share, subscribe, retweet, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.